from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Major League Baseball playoffs continue. Yet another way in which Dan Snyder and the Washington football team are the worst headlines imaginable for the NFL. And perhaps it's time we revisit the whole best football program in the state conversation. Let's log on to the internet, shall we? What's Trending is brought to you by GEICO. you got a choice of ways you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online to GEICO.com or stop by the GEICO office nearest you. Let's get it. The Padres evened up the NLCS with an 8-5 comeback win over the Phillies yesterday in Game 2. That's on the NL side, Joe. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? On the AL side, like Justin Verlander is like a thousand years old. No, he's reinvented himself Every multiple times. Year, it's impressive. He just finds a way to shove against the Yankees. Struck out eleven last night. I'm going to need Josh Donaldson to reevaluate what he's doing with his life, please. Okay. Uh, I'm going to let Mar- Matt Carpenter go because he hasn't played in a minute, and also it puts Stanton out in the outfield, and he actually played well, I thought, in the outfield. Mm-hmm. But Josh Donaldson, buddy, when there's nobody out, you, you got to advance runners, okay? The, the striking out stuff, you at least swing, okay? <laughs> Give me some basic fundamentals, please. Pretty please, with sugar on top. Wait, is this where the, this where the Yankee fan comes out? Is that what's happening right now? Yes, because as good as Ver- Verlander was, the Yankees had a lead in this game. Sure yeah. enough, it was only 1-0, but yeah, they yeah, had yeah. a chance to tack some on, and Donaldson's over there like looking at pitches, and I'm like, buddy. This umpire is calling everything a strike, so you need to be head on a swivel, maybe yeah. swing at something, and maybe not swing for the fences every single time. It's okay. Yeah, you get throw, a little contact. You throw me off with the Yankees fandom from time to time because you don't have like the Yankees hat on all the time this time of the year. Do you even have a Yankees? I hat? don't. I don't. James does, but it was just now. The part of me looks at this and goes, "All right, Verlander's pitching. The Astros are going to win when Verlander pitches, sure. right?" You're not going to, I mean, you you can't go into that game thinking you're going to win. But part of me looks at that and goes, the way that the Astros won, their lineup is so good. It really is. It's it's hard not to be impressed by their lineup. What's happening right now is what I think some of us had already predicted, remember? They did. We got wrapped up in what was going on with Aaron Judge and the home run race. We're wrapped up in what what Shohei Otani is doing historically in which the Angels also lose. There's all sorts of, you know, oh, the Braves, all the Braves and the Mets, the Braves and the Mets, the Braves and the Mets, the Braves and the Mets. Cool. (laughs) The Astros are still the best team in Major League Baseball. And that might, you know, for all the people complaining about the chaos of the postseason. Yeah. They won 106 games. Wait, what do you want? Astros are are likely going to be in the World Series. We shall see. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four? No, all of the four. I mean, we mentioned Major League Baseball, but we also have NBA regular season baseball. We got 12 NHL games tonight, including the Carolina Hurricanes versus the Edmonton Oilers, a game you can listen to on 99.9 The Fan, starting at 8.30 with Stormwatch, hosted by Adam Gold. And we got the NFL, too. All four major sports are in action tonight. You throw in college football. You throw in the MLS playoffs. I don't know. I'm sure there's a pickleball match somewhere. Folks, we have an equinox. It's the 26th time there has been a sports equinox where you've got the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and NHL all having played games on the same day. 
along with some college football and more. 26 times that's happened. Now, also consider this is a relatively new phenomenon because it's not like the NFL has been playing Monday night football and Thursday night football games for a very long time. So I'm sure we'll get more of these as it happens. Let's just say it's 100 years. It's impressive. Not really, though. It's impressive, I think. No, it's not. Actually, there's 26 out of 100. That's 26%. That's a quarter of the time. There's one thing. That's not rare. There's actually one thing that is rare for real in terms of the equity. And that is all four major sports having home games in the same city on the same day. Okay, do we have that? That actually has happened once. It happened in L.A. in 2018, thanks to the Dodgers and the Boston Red Sox World Series. So you had you had a hockey game in the afternoon and then at the Staples Center and then you ended up having the Clippers play a game at the Staples Center later that night so they went from hockey to basketball in the afternoon changeover there was a Rams game at Memorial Coliseum earlier in the day and obviously as i mentioned the World Series so that's the only time it's happened in a major city where you've had the four once professional teams playing home games once once some people tried to go to all four okay yeah but that's a thing once is a thing that's a thing 26 out of 100 is not a thing joe how many sporting events have you tried to go to in a single day here in the triangle so we've had some we've had some instances where you could go to all three local schools and a hockey game right i never never did anything like that you know what that means right no, no, that means there's gonna. I'm gonna have to look at the schedule. We're gonna have to sit around, actually have a meeting for real, for real, and figure out what day. It's gonna be a weekend, obviously, where we can go to three basketball games and a hockey game on the same day, and try to hit all four. Think we could do it? No. Why not? We get a car. It would have to be like the ESPN 24-hour basketball marathon, where you play at like eight o'clock in the morning or something. No, the way the way I would envision it, the way I would envision it is that State plays a basketball game at noon. This has happened before. State right. plays a, big, a game at noon. Hockey at night. They switch it over to hockey for night. So there's your two. There's your two. You need North Carolina and Duke to play at one home, after, at home on the ACC Network specials at, at like, four and six, or like something. two o'clock. Okay, two o'clock in the afternoon. And then, like, Duke plays a 9 o'clock game that night. That just sounds like a lot of driving and parking and not really fun. But you'd be hanging out with me. You love to drive with me. This is true, but you don't love to drive with me. But I would do it for the content, Joe. So we're going to have to look at the future date. I think it's going to happen. I think we can push in the poll. I'm going to start start researching this right now. Let's go. There's got to be a date where all this happens at once. And we can live stream the car ride. Brownlow and I did this once. We did a pan- we did like real time driving panic rooms. It's much more agreeable than than you are. Mm. Next up. Did your church ever have a 50-50? Like a carnival yeah. and then have a 50-50? Joe. It's a Catholic church. Right, right. They'll do well, I'm just making sure. And ra- yeah, I'm, all that I'm stuff, just making yeah. sure. Bingo, well, there's people yeah. down here in North Carolina that aren't necessarily familiar with the 50-50 concept. <laughs> so say, all right. St. Joan of Arc knew how to do some of, raffles, It's man. one of the all-time griffs, Joe. It really and, is. And so, to the surprise of no one, the Washington Commanders what? are participating in one of the all-time griffs. They have a 50-50 at each home game, I believe. Will, Sh- uh, excuse me, Drew Shipley. Thought he won fourteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars at the Commanders home opener this year in a charity raffle. That was until he went to try to cash the fourteen thousand dollar check from the Commanders 
and it bounced. It bounced. A couple things about this. It bounced. So these 50-50 raffles, as you mentioned, you Yeah, you money. split the pot. So you half of it goes to charity, half of it goes to a lucky winner. Yeah. Now, the home opener, the winning ticket for the contest for Washington's home opener was worth less than half of what that contest paid out at the home opener three years ago. Okay. So again, this Matt, this is this is important context to show you just how little people care about Washington in Washington. Now they're not going yeah. to games. And the 50-50 raffle split has decreased in the last three years. For an example, I think this was what, twenty nine thousand uh, dollars that was total in the pot. That, yeah. that was total in the pot. Okay. Total jackpot, twenty nine thousand dollars. I believe the winner in Kansas City at Arrowhead got $125,000. Well, before taxes. Now, this is the kicker to the story. (laughs) So he goes to cash a check, and he is told that there's insufficient funds. (laughs) Right? So this this, this guy ends up, you know, having this happen to him. According to the story... Dan, Dan Snyder and his family went full monopoly on this one. The credit union fronted him $3,000 into the checking account, which he then transferred to his savings account to cover future tax liabilities. Because, again, as you mentioned, you win this, you're going to do whatever. you, you got to pay some taxes. So he moves the $3,000 they advanced him into savings, and then the check subsequently bounced. The bank reached out to his checking account, and they yanked back the $3,000 and then hit him with an overdraft fee. So he got the double whammy. Not only did he get a bounce check from Washington, but he had an overdraft fee when the bank came looking for the money that wasn't actually there. Apparently, all this has been corrected, but again. It was a bank error, according to the Washington commanders. Yet another example at Dan Snyder. That is a card, right? Is, in Monopoly? It is. It bank is. error. But that's when you get money. In your favor. In your favor. In your favor. Not here. Not <laughs> Can't here. you see Snyder running around with, with the Monopoly top mm-hmm. hat? Right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> go to go to jail. Go directly to jail. Yes. Yes. He's, he was probably. Don't pass go. He's probably. Don't pass Costa Rica. He's the worst <laughs> Monopoly player, I'm sure. Next up. Number two. <laughs> I'm just thinking about him playing this. Hey, what's Christian McCaffrey doing? Do we know? Do you know what Christian McCaffrey's doing? I would be packing my bags for Buffalo <laughs> or, or lobbying to pack my bags for Buffalo. So this has been the debate for the Carolina Panthers this week. And speaking of 50-50 raffles, this seems to be split 50-50 in terms of fan sentiment. Christian McCaffrey and trade value. I'm of the opinion that if you can get a decent haul for Christian McCaffrey, you trade him. If Buffalo's willing to mortgage their future to win now, like the Rams did last year, and they make you a really reasonable offer for Christian McCaffrey, you take it. Christian McCaffrey, the rest of the season, is serving you what purpose? What, I mean, honestly, what is he doing? He would only be actively working against you getting the number one pick. I've seen this joke made, and it's worth repeating. If you're the Carolina Panthers, you absolutely fake a medical report for Christian McCaffrey. Like Plan- oh, plantar fasciitis is the uh, oh man, is the popular one in the NBA. Yeah, oh, Christian, I'm sorry, dude. We can't put you out there. Sorry. And like, no, but I feel fine. Nope, nope, not medically cleared. Why want to? Why can't I go out there? Because we need to save you for the next coach and whoever we're going to draft at quarterback. So we're shutting you down. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey doesn't want to do that. He's a competitor, but it has led to some amusing reports coming out of Charlotte as to what Christian McCaffrey's doing. What is he doing for dinner? How is he feeling? Did he go to the bathroom? Did everything come out okay? Is he going to play on Sunday? All indications are that, yes, 
he'll play on Sunday. And he hasn't been traded yet. Next up. The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. So App State found themselves down 14 nothing early at Georgia State. They came back and they won. But it did get me thinking, now that App State is 4-3, and three, does their record matter after the September that they had? And is it worth revisiting the whole best program in the state conversation that dominated our timelines and radio waves all throughout September? Next. So in What's Trending, we covered the sports equinox, or equinox, if that's how you like to say it. I want to respect all who observe Equinox, Equinox. Um, The sports Equinox being all four major sports are being played at the same time. You also got some college football, MLS playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. Only once has there been an Equinox where all four major pro sports teams are playing at the same time in the same city. That happened in L.A. back in 2018. So we were kind of goofing around like, well, what would be the equivalent of a triangle sports equinox? And it would have to be during basketball season where you've got NC State, Carolina, and Duke playing hoops and the Hurricanes have a game later that night. And I'd like to go to all four events in a single day. Jillio's already hemming and hawing about this. I thought Jillio complains. I'm not, I'm not hemming and no, hawing. I'm just saying you, it's, it's, not, it's not of interest to me. You are the t- You tell me all the time, no, we don't hang out. Well, here's a great opportunity to hang out in the car a ton on a Saturday. I'm guessing it's going to be on a Saturday. So, Dennis, you found yep. you found a triangle equinox for I, us? I did. What's the date? February, Saturday, February 25th. Okay, so I'm assuming State plays a noon game. State plays a noon game at home against Clemson. Perfect. Now, game times are still to be determined, but Duke hosts Virginia Tech Uh and UNC hosts Virginia that day. And the Canes play at 7 o'clock that night. All right, so here's my prediction. We've got to get game times for this. We've got to start planning now for February 25th. Yeah. We we got the double set for PNC Arena. Mm Mm-hmm. You said it's UNC versus Virginia? Yes. That's the 7 o'clock game ACC Network, I can guarantee you. Okay. That's got ACC Network written all over it's it. Got, it's got the primetime game. The tricky part is Duke. It's not an overwhelmingly great matchup because it's just Virginia Tech. Put some respect on your champions, please. I understand, and you know I'm a big fan of Mike Young, the head coach of the Virginia Tech Hokies. However, Virginia Tech doesn't necessarily move the needle in basketball is my point. That's my point. So I feel like the Carolina-Virginia game will be the evening game, just a matter of what time in the evening. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Duke and Virginia Tech play at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. If that happens, Mm -hmm. if that happens, here's how we would do it. State-Clemson at noon. We leave at halftime to go to the 2 o'clock basketball game in Durham. Then we go to the beginning of the Virginia-Carolina game. Leave it halftime and get to the third period of the Canes game. Yeah. Boom. I'm Nailed in on it. this. Nailed it. I'm in. All right. Mark your calendars. Yep. Triangle Sports Equinox on February 25th. And we're going to live stream this. I'm very excited. Oh, see? Chris Lee is down. Yes. Chris Lee, W-R-A-L, he is down. He says he will do the Triangle Equinox trip with me in February. And you too, Julia. We're going to live stream this bad boy. I'm excited. I was excited last night. Excited for App State. They were down 14 nothing last night on ESPN2 to Georgia State. It was cold out there. You were out there, Dennis, right? I was. Why? I'm doing this little long-term video thing for Culture State. Okay. 
And I my only chance to watch App and get video of App was to go there last night. How many people were there last night? Not enough to fill it. I thought this was the best program in the state. I thought they had amazing culture. How are they not filling it out for a primetime game on ESPN2 against a rival, Georgia State? I'm confused. Look, I'm being somewhat facetious. All of this kind of brought to mind September and the incredible month that App State had where they almost knocked off North Carolina in a thrilling fourth-quarter comeback that led to OT. And then you had their win against Texas A&M, and then that brings game day to Boone. They host Troy, almost just have a just a deflating Saturday with Troy. Instead, they had yet another awesome moment with a Hail Mary win against Troy. You couldn't ask for a better September as a football fan if you're an App State fan. And I joked then, it doesn't really matter what happens the rest of the season. Uh, they could be a group of they could be a group of five champion that might flirt with the college football playoff, but a lot has to happen. A lot has to go right. Those things didn't go right. And that's okay. Because Joe, you will always have that September. Because <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, what are you going to remember from the football season? I think we went about this the right way. Now you're misrepresenting what we did. We asked mm-hmm. Who would you rather be a fan of? Sure. Not who had the best program in the States. Yeah. Now, a lot of people conflated the two propositions. You and I both agreed that in terms of being a fan, it's a hell of a lot of fun to be an App State football fan. Particularly in September. Mm -hmm. Now, the question I would ask to you, though, is by the end of this season, let's say Carolina wins the Coastal Division but loses to Clemson in the ACC Championship game. Duke makes a bowl game. State makes a bowl game. ECU makes a bowl game. Mm-hmm. App goes eight and four. Who who would you rather be a fan of at that point? Now Wake Forest, they go ten and two. Yeah, don't win the division, but they're ten and two. They they had another another really 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 good season. Who would you rather be a fan of this year? Still be an App State fan because I'll even give Wake the win over Carolina. Still an App State fan. Okay, especially after the September that we had. Like, if I'm an App State fan, you'll take that over some nondescript bowls and a nice season at sure. Wake Forest. Now, well, there's game day as well for what App had. About the, about the program conversation. You and That's I did, a different conversation. You and I did not have that conversation. Our friend Andrew Carter of the News and Observer wrote, I think, two columns doubling down on the idea that App State is the best football program in the state. I disagree with Andrew Carter in that regard because the correct answer is, they're all the best programs in the state if you want to measure it however you want to measure it, okay? Wake Forest fans are like, what are you talking about? Look at us right now. Well, sure. Recency bias would tell you that Wake Forest is one of the best programs in the state right now. I think a lot of NC State fans are looking at what Dave Clawson's doing at Wake Forest and going, wait a minute, how come we can't do that? Carolina has a lot of things going for it where they can just go to a recruits house, recruits house for the most part and get what they want. And Mac Brown can get them on prime time. Shout out to Corey over at Pack Bride, who's apparently tracking the amount of tweets that go Drake Mays way on the ACC network. It's good. You know, Carolina pulls in notoriety. Totally get that. Duke is probably out of the conversation. But the thing that I'll always say about App is that it's really impressive what they've been able to do at the FCS level, where they won national championships, back-to-back-to-back to back to back national championships. They have their win over Michigan, iconic moment in college football. And 
I will say up front that I thought their move to FBS was a mistake. They had this identity. They were very, very successful. But Charlie Cobb, who used to work over at NC State, who was the AD at App State, was charged with bringing them into this new world of FBS. And it's been nothing but a win for them. I got that one wrong. A lot of other people ended up getting that wrong, too, by the way. I wasn't alone in my, what are you doing, App State? So it's paid off for them. But there's levels to this. And my argument has been, Julio, that while App State has been very, very successful where they're at, what makes you believe that you could overcome all the things that NC State and North Carolina haven't been able to overcome with all the TV money in the world, all the built-in advantages that North Carolina specifically has as a football program in this state. And both of them, by and large, are historically 500 programs that cannot get out of their own way. What makes you think you can do that and not face the same issues? North Carolina's won 55% of their football games. They haven't won the ACC title since 1980. Yeah, NC State's won 51% of their football games. They haven't won the ACC title since 1979. The real problem is there's too many mouths in the state of North Carolina. Ding, ding, That's ding, ding, ding. That's the real problem. So even if App were to move up to the ACC, they would still be one of four or five programs trying to recruit from the same dwindling pool of talent. That, by the way, Clemson, Georgia... Alabama, Notre Dame, Penn State, Tennessee, Tennessee for sure, mm-hmm. come in and kind of get what they want when they want it. Yep. So that's not going to change no matter who you are. That's that is the inherent challenge of being in the state of North Carolina. The pockets of success you've seen in for teams in North Carolina other than what Dave Clawson has done these last 2 years. The mm-hmm. pockets of success have been Mac Brown when he's been able to go into Virginia and get players and Chuck Amato when he was able to go into the state of Florida and get players. That's it. Those are your two big examples. They weren't homegrown players. So yesterday, we got into the SEC college football Armageddon. If three teams from the SEC make it, it's, and it's possible. If, you, if you're dealing with a one-loss Tennessee, a one-loss Georgia, and a one-loss Alabama, what would happen? And I said straight up, yeah, all three are getting in because TV TV matters. Dan Wolken, USA Today, their national columnist, did have a follow-up to our conversation yesterday. He says, on the other hand, let's say it goes unbeaten Clemson, unbeaten TCU, unbeaten UCLA, and an unbeaten Ohio State-Michigan Big Ten champ. Georgia loses to Tennessee. I don't see this happening, but okay, let's play this out. Georgia loses to Tennessee. Which one loss which then loses to a one-loss Alabama in uh, in Atlanta. What then? So Georgia loses to Tennessee, and then Tennessee loses to the one-loss Alabama squad in Atlanta. What happens? You mean all three would still have one loss, but they would but, not have the common group record? No, it would not have the common group record. Yeah, then it would be the team who's winless in the group. And Tennessee would be unbeaten in the group, right? Tennessee would be... No, Tennessee would lose to Alabama. So they would split. They would split. So Alabama and Tennessee would get in. Yeah. I agree with you on yeah. that. Georgia ends up being on the outside looking Prob- in. Probably. 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 But keep in mind, some of this might depend on what happens with Oregon. You know, if, if Oregon goes on and wins the Pac-12, mm-hmm. the committee's going to look at that and go, well, Georgia beat the Pac-12 champion by 100 points, and they're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's the OG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. If you've been listening to our show for the last couple of months, you know that we were one of the first to bring you chess 
cheating scandals on the radio. Uh, we were fascinated by the saga of Hans Niemann and Magnus Carlsen. If you're not familiar, Niemann was accused of cheating. I'm interested in this reset. How, how are you going to do this cleanly? Let's see. Uh, there's no chance. Okay. So Neiman was accused of cheating by Magnus Carlsen and others. And he admitted to cheating in the past in online tournaments. But since he's become a grandmaster and he goes to these live tournaments, he says he's not been cheating. Mm. But there were accusations that he was cheating at one particular tournament. And Magnus Carlsen, in a form of protest, quit this match against Hans Neiman. The accusation, which was never refuted, but also never like actually put down on paper, but the accusation was that he was cheating through the use of an anal vibrator. How would that happen? Well, we laid that out for you months ago and how that could possibly happen because some of you did not know that a lot of these, uh, some people call them marital aids, they're now Bluetooth enabled. So you can be sitting somewhere in the stands as an accomplice and sending SOS signals to Hans Neiman through this anal vibrator. <laughs> okay, I should move the king to here and checkmate, right? So all of this has gotten out there. Now people just associate Hans Neiman as the guy who cheated with something up his butt. Now Neiman has filed a sweeping civil lawsuit against Magnus Carlsen. The cheater. The cheater has filed a sweeping civil lawsuit against Carlson and several other prominent chess entities alleging slander, libel, and tortious interference. I vaguely remember tortious interference from my business class at NC State. He's seeking $100 million in damages. $100 million. This is from the, uh, this is from the report. Uh, this, let's see. This is actually from the defector piece. The there's a report for the first time in great detail how Carlson used his stature to get the tournament to introduce enhanced security checks and how he tried to get Neiman tossed from the tournament. This is from the uh, the civil lawsuit. Notorious for his inability to cope with defeat, Carlson snapped, enraged that the young Neiman, fully 12 years his junior, dared to disrespect the king of chess and fearful that the young prodigy would further blemish his multi-million dollar brand by beating him again, Carlson viciously and maliciously retaliated against Neiman by falsely accusing Neiman without any evidence of somehow cheating during their in-person game and demanding that the organizers of this cup immediately disqualify Neiman from the tournament. Now, the most intriguing aspect of this suit is how it centers Chess.com's business relationships, particularly with Carlson, and the importance of Carlson in the, basically... Neiman's argument is that this guy's a kingmaker, sure, and he's trying to get I'm, rid of I'm him. I'm disappointed, though. Why are you disappointed? Because what, what is something that you enjoy telling me? One of your pet phrases. There's a niche for everyone. There is a niche for everyone. Yeah. Chess streaming? Yeah. Really? Yes. Chess streaming. It's actually on Twitch one of the more popular I know. things now. I, I know. Uh, I think when I read you this story, there are chess influencers. Groupies and influencers. Yeah. yeah. Now, it helps that if it's it's women who play chess that happen to have the- no. Shocking. Shocking that there are a bunch of dudes who want to watch a woman play chess. No. Because they have nothing better to do. And they've made bank off of subscriptions to Twitch. So, to your point, yes. there's, a, there's a niche. There's something for everyone mm -hmm. online. Yes. Even chess. Do I not prove that every day to you? I, that's why I'm disappointed that that wasn't your conclusion to this entire charade. 
This guy cheated his ass off, mm-hmm. like for his basically he's nineteen. He's he cheated, cheated his, his whole he's cheated life. his whole life, and yes. now he's he's giving the I'll sue you. No. You can't fire me. I quit. No. Oh no. my God. No, no, no. The ta- You're the ta- a cheating ass cheater. The 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 takeaway for me has been and will always continue to be the lengths in which people will cheat in chess. Sure. To the point where they're willing to allegedly stick something up their ass and buzz so they know what the next move is. That's dedication. I still am convinced that this never happened because I'm sorry, if you've got something vibrating up your butt, you're probably going to make a move. Like you you're going to oh you're gonna make you're gonna react if something's going. Pretty sure there's some exercises for that in your butt. I'm pretty, just saying. Pretty sure there's exercises for that. <laughs> if you're dedicated, you're that dedicated. I'm gonna Google that, but not on the company Wi-Fi. I'm gonna switch it over to 5G.